Welcome back to Behind the Mic Conversations of Hope. I'm your host, Mike Stone. Well, last week we talked to Darren Hughes, the stage manager for Casting Crowns. And this week, as promised, we are having a conversation with Casting Crowns drummer Brian Scoggin. I've titled this show, Whose Kingdom Are You Building? Now, when I asked Brian to join me on the show, we really didn't have a topic to focus on, but ended up just having a conversation about what we believe God laid on our hearts. If you're feeling like life is not fulfilling or it's pointless, maybe you need to hear this conversation of hope. Maybe, by the world's standards, you should be content and happy that you're living the American dream, the house, the cars, the vacation home, the financial security, but you're empty inside. Or maybe the American dream that you're chasing is always two steps ahead of you and you're frustrated because it seems that you always miss out on the big opportunities. Maybe your focus is on building the wrong kingdom. I invite you to sit in on my conversation with Brian Scoggin as we look for a solution to the emptiness or frustration you may be feeling and give you some insight into the Bible on how you can find joy and contentment. Well, Brian, I am uh, I'm so grateful that you have taken time out of your schedule to join us today. We're glad to have you here. So good to be here. It's been a while in the making, man. And it's been my fault. Now, now it, it has been a while in the making. So yeah, we we've we've met for years. I've been kind of on the road at times with you guys and and helping with my my full time job with adoption. And so I, I've gotten to see you several times. And you are I have to say what what really stood out to me is every time I went through a room or every time we passed in a hallway or wherever, you were always like coming over to me, shaking my hand. Hey, how you doing? Over and over again. <laughs> but you know what? That that was so amazing. That just I was like, man, this guy is so busy and he's got so much going on. But yet every time, and I think that speaks volumes about you. And and so you know, I was really intrigued. And then Melanie Hall, Mark Hall's wife, um, was telling me that you may have something to share with us. And so yeah, we've we've been trying to find a time and we had some some concerts picked out and then COVID hit and uh, so it's been one thing after another but uh, we're here today and I'm I'm grateful that you're here man good to be here I'll tell you part of the reason uh, you know busyness goes into play about having time to do you know certain things like like this but but what really is comes most into play Mike is um I just want to make sure that anytime I'm going to share that I feel like the Lord is giving me the okay to share. Yeah. That makes sense. Like I, I'm not just a guy. I just read this scripture the other day and I, I want to get it right, but I feel like it's Proverbs 19, 10. I'm going to look it up really quick. Um, but man, this, this, this is right here. I think it's not Proverbs 19, 10. Um, I was actually, I'm one of those guys when stuff hits me in the car, I just grab my phone and look it up while I'm driving. So watch out when I'm around. <laughs> We will. I think I got it backwards. I think it's ten nineteen. Ten nineteen. Yeah, there we go. Proverbs ten nineteen. This this is why, man. I just don't want to be opening my mouth all the time. 
The Bible says, Proverbs 10, 19, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. That's awesome. I'm going to read, I'm going to read the, the NIV version of that, which I yeah. have right in front of me here. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. That's pretty powerful. It's powerful, and I see it at play today in the church, in the evangelical movement, where I feel like we're like Corinth. We're really rich. We're really powerful. We really expect the finest things to be presented before us. And there is this group of guys out there that feel the pressure all the time to have something to say. Yeah. And the problem is they want to, you know, they want to say the right thing to the people who are asking them. And uh, you got to be careful with that. I mean, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing, and mm-hmm. I don't say anything of my own accord, but only what I, I'm told to say. And um, if you be careful, you'll just be a you just be a little ear tickler with every little room you're in. And I, I just can't be. I probably have been that in the past, but I can't be that anymore. You know, so going into this, I needed to feel the Lord's peace to say, Brian, like, you're ready to talk to Mike. That's honestly wow. more what it was, man. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And, you know, that's a great word for me because you do when when you are when you're at church and and somebody walks up to you and starts talking to you about something that's going on in their life um you know you want to you want to communicate with them but you find yourself sometimes just kind of searching for something to say and you just say whatever pops in your yeah. mind sometimes you walk away or sometimes I've walked away going I just didn't feel right you know right. and um right. and and I think the flip side of that is too the more that we're in the word the more that we're communicating with God on a regular basis and praying without ceasing kind of thing the more we're prepared for those moments too when the holy spirit can, can flow through us so that is, that's a good word yeah that's a word I, i've got a guy in my life that that has been a real mentor to me um i met him on the road um, kind of like we met He's yeah. the father of one of the guys who um, he kind of heads up all the rigging. So everything hanging in the air, um, we got a guy for that. And his yeah. dad, God has been um, God has been working in this guy's life uh, for a long time. And it's similar to what God's been doing in my life just for this short time. And so he's become a real mentor to me. His name is um, Glenn Watley. Um, and uh, he, he's been pouring things like this into me because, you know, I, I'm afraid that the that the mainstream evangelical uh, church message today has become be really big, be really loud, um, be very influential and be really busy. Hmm. And, and I'm not convinced that that's the way God always works, you know? And so this guy has been really good for me because he's, he's been the one to say, Hey Brian, maybe you should just not say anything six weeks and just pray wow <laughs> and i'm like well hang on god's giving me stuff to say right and he's that's like i know and i'm not telling you not to say it but he's like i just don't want you to feel like you always have to say have something to say wow it's okay to be still and to wait on god yeah you know so well you know we we just had uh in in our first season i can't remember what episode it is we had a guy on uh, named billy foot who he and his wife Cindy uh, did. They've done a lot of worship 
songs. They've written a lot of worship songs that we we all sing in our churches. And he kind of came in. Uh, he, he has a new album called called World Burning Down. Okay. And I told him, I said, you know, Billy, when when I I saw that this was going to release, I stayed up that night until it was on Apple, you know, okay. music, so I could download it and listen to it because he had such great worship songs in the past. But he wrote this and he actually performed on this. And it wasn't a worship album. It was, it was really geared towards the evangelical church saying kind of what you're saying. Some of the songs are kind of what you're saying is, is, you know, we're, we're living in this um, age of where we need to have things to say. We have an image. Um, We need to be the biggest and the greatest. And basically kind of, playing along with the world's attitude about success and, and what it means, uh, money. And it was really powerful, you know, lay, laying in bed, listening through my earbuds um, to his stuff and going, this is not what I expected, but man, it's it's dead center on, you know, for, for some churches, for some pastors and some ministry leaders. And, um, and, and it was really powerful. And I think uh, we, we talked a little bit and, and you've got some, of that on your heart as well uh, is is just really being attuned to what God's doing in your life and how that's going to uh, reach out to others and affect others. Um, and I know you guys are on the road. How many how many weekends of out of the year or your days out of the year? And that's really what you guys do is you're out there uh, meeting people where they're at. Uh, and that's grueling, by the way. You know, I, I've, yeah. I've kind of went along with you guys. It's not glamorous. It's it not, is not, is it? It's not fun. But <laughs> you guys, you, you not only do that, but you're also, I think most of you guys are all in full-time ministry while you're doing this. So it's not about the glitz and glamour of, of you know, rock and roll on the road. It's It's really, you guys have a deeper meaning behind that. And I think all this ties together. Right. You know, what's funny to me is that the, the, the idea of glitz and glamour and luxury and fame has ever been able to cross over into the message of Jesus. Hmm. I don't know how that happens. I mean, I do, but I can't believe that it has. Um, but then again, I can knowing people, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I, I think you just, we have to start from the beginning. Um, the, the adversary that we face isn't each other. Um, there is an adversary. Yeah. Um, and that adversary, the reason he became our adversary is because he became completely enamored with the beauty that God gave him. So, yeah. so Lucifer was created more beautiful than all of them. And he began to believe just that. Yeah. And rather than seeing the infinite beauty that is God, the one who made him as beautiful as he was, he could only see himself. Yeah. And that is where we, as people, because he's our adversary, that's what he knows how to do. He he speaks his native tongue. He teaches us to be the same. Um, And if we're not careful, um, that's exactly how we'll be. Um, we, We won't believe the gospel. See, the gospel is not... Um, come to Jesus and accept him so that you can have the most desirable things in life. The gospel is come to Jesus and die because he is the most desirable thing in life. 
He is life. Yeah, that's good. For a long time, I was using, to, for lack of a better way of saying it, I, I I didn't even know I was doing this, but I just believed wrong. And so I, I was using Jesus to build my kingdom, but I thought it was right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Like wealth and comfort and health and the praise of men and success and all these things were things that I felt like these are what God wants me to have. And I'm not here to say that he doesn't want us to have these things, but these things are not treasure. He is the treasure. So he's the treasure whether we're rich or poor. That's right. He's the treasure whether we're free or imprisoned or mistreated or honored. He's still the treasure. But if those things are the treasure, right? We're just using Jesus to get the same things that the world wants. So the world's not interested in our Jesus because they're working hard and they're self-proclaiming their own worth and they're on, you know. So we're all trying to get the same thing, essentially, if that's what the treasure is. So you can have your Jesus and get it and I can have my, you know, my self-pride and all that and get it. But but that's not the difference, you know. The, The difference is our treasure is different. Yeah, um, I was just reading this morning in the book of John, chapter two, where Jesus was at the wedding, and they were running out of wine. And uh, the the TV show The Chosen has really helped me um, get a visual of, of just put this stuff into like I don't know play in my head. I love it. Yeah. I love the way they. It's great, isn't it? Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, you just see what they would have been doing culturally, more than likely, and you see mm-hmm. this. But but Jesus. We know the story. I mean, you know, they had wine the best they could afford, the best that the world could produce, whatever. And they had it and it was fine, but then they were running out. And as the world's custom was, I mean, everybody knew Mm -hmm. you get everybody with the good stuff first. You make a great first impression and then you can kind of start watering it down and sneaking because everybody's a little dull. They've been drinking a little bit, you know. Yeah. And so you can you can. And that, that was just the way it worked. That was just what everybody expected in the world. But Jesus makes wine for them. And it's way better than even what they began with. It was way better than the best they could come up with, right? And it just hit me this morning. It's like, wow. Like, if we're not careful, we will take the world's pattern of success and apply it to the church and apply it to our Christian lives. And we won't let Jesus blow the mind of the world with what he can do in our lives instead of waiting on god and knowing him we'll just start looking at instagram and see what everybody else is doing and start going doing that yeah i've been i've been around churches I've, i've been at the church and i've been a part of this of rather than just going god you're the source god the church is your idea god you have the plan for the church we got nothing but you um Teach me what you want me to do in my local congregation. What do you want from us? What are you speaking to us? Instead of that, we'll look around at what the bigger churches are doing, and we'll just try to be like them. Yeah. We won't ask God at all what we're supposed to do because we, we see, oh, that's what you do. And well, how do we measure success? I mean, come on, the same way the world does, right? How many people showed up? How much money came in, right? How many people raised their hand, right? All yeah. these things. 
the numbers. numbers. Right. Yeah. I mean, last night we I was having a great little Zoom meeting with some uh, young adults. Uh, and a guy named Carl Kirby actually told me this over lunch one time because uh, it was something he was battling with in his ministry. Carl Kirby has a ministry called Reasons for Hope. Um, a lot of apologetics kind of stuff. Super cool, man. Love the guy. Yeah. But um, the idea is, you know, Noah spent 50 to 75 years roughly building a boat, an ark, that God told him to build. Everybody else just thought he was a fool. Wasn't cool. Was not cool. <laughs> it was quite foolish yeah, to the world. Right. What yeah. are you doing? Come on. Right? Kind of like that guy sitting still waiting on God. Yeah. Right? And, and, and eight people got on his boat. And he did not fail. So you can never convince me that numbers are God's measuring yardstick for success. Obedience to what God's telling you to do is success. You just do it. Whatever yeah. it is, you just do it. I think the church has, has to believe that again. Yeah, I do think, you know, I, I grew up in the church and I even think back, um, you know, I'm in my mid-50s now and I think back as far as I can and I, and I see a difference in, in the way church used to be and the way it is now. Some of, it, some of it's good, you know, I mean, I love the music, um, you know, uh, we've, got, we've got lights and even fog machines. I've been to churches with fog machines and all that and I think, you know, uh, you know if the the purpose behind it is okay. If that's what God's calling you to do, then I'm fine with that. Um, but I've also been to places where I question it and it, and it's, right. it's become, um, it's become that wine that has been watered down because we think we've got something better to offer. Um, and, and, you know, I can't question why they're doing it. Um, maybe I can, I don't know, but, <laughs> but I do sometimes. And, and maybe that's the Holy spirit going, you know, something's not right here, but um, I think we do that in our personal lives too. Like you said, we we look at what everybody else is doing, and and we we kind of want to jump on the bandwagon. Right. So yeah, I think we can get caught up in that without knowing it, and and I think that's the danger is that we we've got to focus on the reason why we're doing things, the reason why we're here, because m- what I'm doing looks completely different than what you're doing. Right. Um, and and if I'm focused on what Brian Scoggin is doing, you know, playing the drums, then. You know, I'm missing the point because we've all been been created to be part of the body. Right. And uh, God's got a unique purpose for each of us. And if we miss it because we're looking at the next guy or the next big thing coming down the road, we are we, we're starting to blend in with the world. And I, and I think that's OK. That's part of the reason for this podcast is just to meet people where they're at. We all struggle with a lot of things that are the same. And I want to encourage people and make sure that we're we're pointing in the right direction that we're focusing on Jesus, even through those hard times and the times that we question him. But, um, we got to be careful of that. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, in the 21st chapter of the book of John, um, Jesus has resurrected. He met them on the beach. Peter is remember this is when he swam to shore. Yeah. Um, Jesus said something to Peter, Peter, you know, was pulling the whole light. You know, what about, what about them? What, Yep. What about them? You know, because they're always his disciples were always talking amongst themselves and arguing about who was going to have the greater ministry. It yeah. says that all through the Gospels, you know, they would go out and, and Jesus would just boom, feed 5000 people. And after that, they'd just be walking around and be like, I'm the one I'm the you know, they would always <laughs> say they were they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Right. And so here we are again. Peter's like, what about them? Because he's got Jesus off alone now. What about them? What about them? 
And Jesus says uh, in the 19th verse of John chapter 21, these words have just, they've just been huge to me, especially in this time uh, in the church. But he said to him, um, he told him basically this little hazy story about how he was going to die. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and then in verse 21, it says, and after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Right. You follow me, it says in some of the other gospel accounts. The idea is, listen, we can, Mike. I can't. If you, Mike, if you get, if you get one million subscribers to your podcast, and um, somehow you just start making a lot of money, and you just become this celebrity podcast guy, just because that's what God's doing in your life, I shouldn't aspire to do that. Yeah, that's not what. That's not necessarily what I'm supposed to do, but. We hear money, and we hear importance, and we hear influence, and we just go, oh, that's what I want. Yeah. Right? But a Christian follows Jesus. Right? We listen for Jesus to lead us and guide us and direct us, and we just don't go chase what other people are being called to do. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And that was really, you know, uh, um, I've told people before, you know, I didn't set out to create a podcast. And this is this falls right in line because I struggled with that. I I, I don't speak well. Um, I'm not. I'm an introvert. So who who would be a, a great podcaster? Certainly not an introvert. Somebody that doesn't like to talk. But uh, I struggle with this, and I felt like you know I don't I don't want to be one of those guys. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm not doing this for the fame. I certainly want it to grow because I want to reach more people. But um, but I struggle with that because uh, I've got a great group of guys that surround me. Um, in a Bible study that keep me grounded. And, and so I put this off for a long time because I was afraid that, that, you know, I didn't, I didn't think that I would go out there and and be this great success, but I was concerned about starting something that God wanted me to do and turning it into something different. And so I think that's a good word for anybody out there that is looking at somebody else in ministry going, that's what I want. And really just focusing on is wh- what does God want for me? Because if I'm looking at the guy with a million followers making a bunch of money, if that's what God's called me to do, great, right. but I shouldn't aspire to be that yeah. guy. To that, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, you know, mm-hmm. um, to that same idea, you know, you talk about, I want it to grow, right? But, but do you want it to grow? And in that effort to make it grow, are you going to glorify yourself and glorify your podcast? That's right. Are you going to glorify Christ? All right. Jesus right. said here, and, and when he's talking to Nicodemus, this is John 3, um, 14, he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, I think Jesus was talking about his physical re- crucifixion and being lifted up on the cross. Yeah. But it's very much the same in the church, man. Like, once again, we have to recognize the difference between glorification of ourself and our thing, whatever we're doing, our glorification of God, right? Yeah. And allowing God to draw the people that that he's drawing, that they will come. And if, if people miss it, like, well, that, they just miss it. Like, we, it's not on us. Like, we definitely don't want to draw them to us. That's right. You know, I mean, I, I think so much what I see, you know, we talked earlier about about production in churches. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with a light. There's nothing wrong with a a, a, a a beautiful offering of whatever we can achieve to. 
There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is when we forget about Jesus in all of it. Yeah. We say Jesus. Yeah. We'd say the right things, but our hearts are far from him because all I do is worry about the next big thing that we're going to pull off and how people are going to feel about it. Yeah. You know, when the lady came in and washed Jesus' feet and poured that perfume, that was beautiful. And it, it, it meant Jesus. It meant so much to Jesus, right? Yeah. But as she was doing it, so people would think she was awesome, it would not have meant that much to Jesus. But it was, exactly it was right. an amazing display of love and surrender. Right. Of I, I don't have anything valuable enough to offer you, Jesus. So I take my very best and I glorify you with it. So if if we could just stay there, you know, unfortunately, I've been in the place for a long time and it's not anybody's fault but my own, probably um, that there's the pressure of the people and the number, mm-hmm. what they want. And I just can't ever rem- remember a time in the New Testament where Jesus went to the disciples and said, go find out what the people want. We'll do that. Mm, yeah. Just ever, ever, you know? Yeah. So so there's this pressure of, you know, Mike, rejoice that now you are where you are on your podcast because it just gets tough. Yeah. You get, you get 10,000, 30,000, 40,000 people jumping on and all of a sudden it gets a little cloudier, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. That's why Jesus kept always withdrawing from the crowds. He had to hear from his father. There's that temptation yeah. to go, wow, there's a lot of people listening now, right? I still have to tell them, unless they eat my flesh and drink my blood, they have no part with me. That's tough. <laughs> but that's what yeah. the father told him to say, and that's not what they wanted to hear. A lot of people walked away that day once that's again. Right. Jesus didn't fail. Yeah. Jesus, we don't, we don't want to be these unloving, shock factor, try to scare people off guys. That's not what I'm saying. Right. I'm saying God is God and the people are not. You know? We do look at, at Jesus in the New Testament and we see him loving people. Absolutely. Um, the unlovable, the ones that right. society cast aside. And I think if we focus on, and you said it, first of all, the love, but you said grace too. I think grace, we can easily overlook that because if we're focused on the grace that we've received— we're not going to be chasing after, look at me, because it's not about us. It's not, it's not anything we can offer anybody. It's all about what Jesus has done to us, and we want to share that with the world. And as long as we stay there, like you said, we're okay. But it's, yeah. it's when we start looking at the world around us and going, you know, I want what they've got, or that looks good, or the attention's drawn to them. Um, and that's easy to do. I don't care if you're on a stage in front of 30,000 people at a Casting Crowns concert or if you're in a Bible study, it can look the same either way. You know, it can go to our heads. You know, it's it's funny to me, like, I know God's using it, but like the the business of the gospel, mm, yeah. the business of the gospel, God's using it in the same way that God still brought water from the rock that Moses struck instead of speaking to it. Mm -hmm. Um, His will was to water the people and to give them a drink. And he accomplished that will in spite of Moses's decision to disobey. Okay. Yeah. So God is still working. I sometimes wonder if God is pleased with the motivation of our heart. Um, Moses struck the rock, I firmly believe, because if you read in those passages, the the chapters leading up to that, we see there was this doubt and this near mutiny amongst the people going like, 
We're not just mad because we don't have something to eat right now. We're not just mad because you let us out here. We're actually going, are you even hearing from God? Like, mm, yeah. are you just lying to us that you're even hearing from God? Right. So, so that kind of got all up on Moses. I think, I think he was just like, now hang on a second. I can yeah. understand you, but when you start questioning, am I even hearing from God? Yeah. Right. Like, um, or am I God's man for this job? Like that really got to him. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think there was that, that messed up motivation there. I think he took that staff in his hand that literally had budded because God caused it to, he took a miracle in his hand and disobeyed yeah. God, right? Yeah. Because of his own insecurity. And in that one moment, he didn't trust the word of the Lord. And he just didn't speak to the rock and let God be glorified. He glorified himself through the yeah. spectacles that he called everybody to him. And he took God's miracle in his hand and he went, wow, wow, right? He hit the rock two times and everybody's supposed to go, whoa, you know, look at that. You know, the crescendo and the water comes, Moses, you know, and, and God's like, never Moses. Wow. Always yeah, that's, that's good insight there. Yeah. 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 yeah so I, I think about that sometimes, like there's nothing wrong with the offering, uh, the, the, the most excellent offering. There's nothing wrong with the most excellent offering, yeah. but there's something wrong when the offering's not purely to, to glorify the Lord. Yeah. yeah. You know, the hard part in that is we're human. Yeah. And um, it's one thing I love about reading about Jesus and the disciples is, man, they screwed up all the time, yeah. you know, and that gives me hope <laughs> and, yeah. and hopefully keeps me where I need to be because, um, right. you know, and, and, and you said, you mentioned the chosen and that that's such a great series because it kind of puts things into our uh into our perspective you know it's hard when they're when they're showing uh the movies about you know know they're using language like we would use today so it helps me like you said it helps me to contextualize that a little bit better and and to um, apply that to my life in in ways that i haven't seen before and um it's a great series, and it, and it really has. In so many ways, it's helped me to see things a little bit differently. And uh, the way the disciples went about things um, always gives right. me hope because um, uh, he, they were handpicked. And, yeah. um, and and God had a purpose for them and walked with Jesus, and, and he taught them. Um, right. Just like we can learn from him today if we submit. So, I think there's this idea um, we have to be careful. You know, we can water the gospel down to the point where it's just like, I'm just a big old fat sinner. And I just, you know, I mean, Paul addressed that real clearly, real clearly. Um, You know, living a life or having the desire and the heartbeat to live a life holy unto the Lord, not based on our works, but starting here and allowing God to have complete access to bear fruit in our life. Right. Yeah. Completely abiding in Christ. That that's our decision. And what comes from that is his work, right? Mm, yeah. So I think people have to be surrendered to the Lord completely. Like they can't have like a little area of their life that they let God, you know, have, but he can't touch their checking account. He can't touch their comfort. He can't. You're right. right. I mean, well, it's a complete abandonment. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself daily and take up your cross and follow me. Right. He talked to the rich young ruler and he said, hey, you're an influencer. You're important, right? You're all these things, right? Mm-hmm. You're a good moral dude. He's yeah. like, but you just lack one thing. Give all those things up and come follow me. And he couldn't yeah. do it. 
But then you have Paul saying, I count it rubbish all the gain I had for the surpassing worth of knowing the Lord Jesus, right? So you got Mm -hmm. these two contrasts here. One guy couldn't give it up, and Paul, who had it all, like the power and the prestige and the influence and the comfort and all this, and he became a complete full outcast amongst his own group because he followed Jesus. That's what Jesus expects. He doesn't expect perfection, but he expects complete surrender. You know, I think many times, I think the church, well, we kind of have two camps, at least two camps. Uh, One that believes that he wants to bless us and we should expect the best of everything because of that. But I don't see that in, I don't see that in scripture. I don't see that in the lives of the disciples. And I certainly don't see it in the life of Jesus. You know, he had no place to lay his head at night. And let's look at Matthew chapter six for that, if you don't mind, starting in verse 19, Matthew 6, 19. I mean, this is going to be extremely familiar to you. But um, you said, you know, there are Christians out there who believe that God is going to bless us and should bless us and wants to give us the very best. And that is absolutely true. I think here's where the difference is. There are people who don't see treasure as the same thing God sees treasure as. Oh, sure. Like the world sees a million dollar home is a treasure. Mm, yeah. God doesn't see that as a treasure. <laughs> right? That's right. Um, necessarily. Um, that's not treasure to God. And it wasn't treasure to Jesus. Obviously he could have had it, but he didn't. Okay. Right. Um, right. Many people see their health even as treasure, but Jesus was sent by his father to the cross. Mm hmm. So not necessarily our health and safety are treasures to God in light of he is going to give us an eternity of life. So the, the, the thing is, what is your treasure, right? What is yeah. your treasure? So if you think God is here and I am going to be blessed and I'm going to receive and I'm going to write cars and houses and jewelry and like that like you are – way off on what God wants to bless you with because those aren't treasures at all. They leave right. us lacking, okay? Right. God's treasures do not leave you lacking because God's treasures are himself. God gives us unlimited and unattainable doses and quantities of his self, right? And yeah. that, whether you're in a mud hut in Africa or in a top apartment in New York City, that satisfies you. Yeah. God knows that. God knows yeah. that. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So Jesus believed in the reality of heaven. Sometimes I wonder if we do. Mm, yeah, you know it's hard to grasp. Yeah. He, he, t- he told a guy dying on the cross next to him, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah. Right, that guy said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He got it. Somehow yeah. he got it. He, he, he knew this guy's got a kingdom. I mean, he's mm-hmm. dying like me, but he's got a kingdom. Yeah. And I want to go there. Right. And yeah. he said, today you'll be here with me in paradise. So that's a clear, this is not paradise. You'll paint your house. It will fade. You cut your grass. It will grow weeds. Right. It's that's not right. paradise. Okay. But there is a paradise. And that's where Jesus says, live your life. Now this temporary vapor of a moment that you hear on this earth with your eyes on heaven and store up treasure there. Glorify me. Right. So I'm going to skip down to uh, verse 21, Matthew chapter 6. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And then I want to read this next little section here. And this, this deals with your girls, and this deals with the American dream. This deals with the church in America. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. That means if you can see good, right, your mm-hmm. whole body will be full of the light yep. that the eyes let in. That's right. right. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. That means if you cannot see, you got to understand we're talking spiritually now. That's right. You can't see with the eyes of the spirit, right? Like the eyes that God wants you to see, the unseen realities of the spiritual world, right? Your whole body's full of darkness. Like you can't see. There's no yeah. light coming in from God. All right. But then he says this if then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Hmm. That's a very confusing but huge statement for the church right now, for Christians yeah. in America right now. If in you, or excuse me, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What he's talking about is a counterfeit imitation yeah. light that is not light at all. It's yeah. actually darkness, but as far as you're concerned, it's light. So basically what he's saying is you've got the wrong thing. You've got bad things, but you are convinced that they are the right things. How great is that darkness, that deceit, that lie, that I'm living my life seeing clearly what something is, but I'm convinced that it's the right thing. That's wow. Yeah. And and we see that when when, when he's dealing with the Pharisees, you know, they can't get life. It, God himself is standing in front of them, and they mm. have no eyes to see him, right? Yeah. Why? Blinded by pride, blinded by tradition, blinded by their self-righteousness, blinded by all these things, and not open to going, God, you're here. I trust yeah. you. I, I don't have to have the power anymore because I know you have the power. I surrender mm. to you, Jesus, right? They couldn't do it, and they were convinced that the light that they saw, their self-righteousness, their hard work, they're whatever, you know, we all know about them, you know, just their legalism. They were convinced yeah. that that was truth. Right. And Jesus was like, how great is that darkness? You know? so if you can't today, see right? it. Wow. Right. Like you just what, what we're teaching, what we're teaching. And I'm not I'm not laying a blanket out there. I'm just saying the church in America and it's spreading across the world. We're exporting this thing. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it's the American dream. With Jesus stuck on it. That's right. You know, that's not the gospel. The gospel is not a big house. It might be in God's will for you. I mean, my house isn't small, but at any moment, if it's got to go, it's got to go. Like that's, that doesn't, that doesn't, I don't measure God's blessing because of the house I live in. That's right. Right. What I pray, Mike, is that God will, as he already has, use the house he gave me. To glorify him. Yeah. Have people over. Bring people in. This is my basement that I'm in right now, so I'm, I'm getting it ready, hopefully, for my in-laws to come move in, right? Because they need yeah. place. They're going to yeah, go right. their house. And so, like, whatever it is God gives us, we just use it to glorify him. Whether you yeah. have a small house just for you and your family, or you have a bigger house so you can have people over and, and you know, have conversation about Jesus, you know? The fact yeah. that the church likes to get together today and talk about everything but Jesus blows my mind. You know, like small groups today. It's like not yeah. every, not everybody, but like let's just get together and have community. Okay, well we're gonna get together and talk about sports and talk about gossip 
and talk about whatever, but we're going to pray for like 30 seconds and see if everybody's got a prayer request, but really have no desire in our heart to talk about Jesus all night. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, that is really, that is a wake-up call. And again, like you said, it's not everywhere. It's not everywhere. I don't mean to push this on everybody. I'm saying I feel like it's the mainstream. Yeah, it is. And I, and I think, it, but it's so easy to get there. It is. And and, and the thing is, like like this passage in, in, uh, in verse 23, this passage in verse 23 that you just read, mm-hmm. if you don't even see it, that's dangerous. Oh, it's bad. You know? It's bad. Because you don't even know any better. You don't know any better. And it's like it's like the uh, the frog in the kettle, you know, yeah. and you you've got to be you've got to be aware again, focusing daily um, and even hour by hour on what what's my motive. Yeah. You know, there was a time in my life when I was reading through this stuff and I started asking myself all the time and it was just kind of a learning process for me. But I kept saying, why are you doing what you're doing? I kept asking myself that all day long, every day. Why are you doing what you're doing? And I was amazed at the times that based on Scripture, that I was doing things out of selfish motivation. I had I had sure. reasons to do it that had nothing to do with the big picture. It was right. all about, it was, it was focused on me. And that was such a, a healthy thing for me to start seeing that. Why am right. I doing what I'm doing? It was simple little things, and I didn't even realize. Right. Some of the things that I were doing, I was doing out of selfish motivation. Yeah. Um, it's so do. easy to get there. Easy to Man. Do. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, mm-hmm. for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Yeah. Right? So the problem I see is there are many teachers out there Yeah. who, instead of identifying this darkness that is wrapping itself in the trickery and wrapper of light— and exposing it and teaching people the real gospel, they're actually perpetuating this lie. Yeah. With the with the methods of their ministry, with whatever, with the pressures of their leadership, or their money people, or or their own pride even to, to grow. And I'm listening, I I I want the the church to grow. Jesus wants the church to grow. And by the way, Jesus will ensure that the church grows. Right. Yeah. He will do it. For yeah. sure. But we don't want to be amongst these guys when we stand before God. And we just said the pressure was so much. It was too great. Um, I was my my motivation, I thought, was right because I just wanted to reach more people. But instead, instead God, you told me to tell them something along the lines that you told Jesus to say, like, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part. Like, yeah. You told me to tell them that they had to completely surrender to you. But instead, for a long time, I just told them that they could eat candy. Yeah. And they ate candy for a long time. And they never knew you. They never surrendered their lives to you. Wow. I can't be that anymore, man. Yeah. yeah, that's another dangerous place to be is is if you're in leadership, man, you've got so much responsibility on you because you look at one guy. I'm not going to say any any names, but you look at one guy, pick one guy or one woman that's in an influential place in in ministry that doesn't see the true darkness right. in what they're calling light and you're leading not just another person or a group of people, you're leading massive 
amounts of people astray. Right. You know, in the That's Old Testament, Mike, it's a very scary thing. When, when, when the wicked kings would rise up in Israel, you know, he would, yeah. you know, it would say, and he did wicked, you know, he, he, he did wicked before the Lord or, or however it worded. But you know where the Lord really, really got angry with these kings is when they led the whole nation to do evil too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they led everybody behind them in the same wickedness. And listen, I don't, I, I do not for one second believe that the, the intentions of pastors across the America are evil. They, they do not. I don't believe they have evil motivations or wicked motivations or anything like that. I believe that they might be dealing with what we just saw here. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Yeah. Like like new pastors today, when, when planning a church, there's the automatic pressure. First things first. We have to get a building, a yeah. stage, a sound system, right? Yeah. Where did... Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. But the stages of the world. Yeah, that's right. Where is that in the scriptures? Like, like Mike, I have a, I have a, um, I spent 15 years on a, on a church staff. Um, most of my adult life has been at the same church, uh, on the staff, and it's grown really large. God led me away um, in 20, 2018, February of 2018. He'd been working on me and my wife for months. Uh, like I said, it was our family. I mean, it was everything. And they're mm-hmm. wonderful people. Um, yeah. God just said, Brian, I, I got to do something in you, and you can't, I can't do it while you're immersed here. And so God called us away. Um, and so we we went to churches, and um, I met and made some friends of some pastors around town that I would have never been able to get close to before. And they have become dear friends, like, so much respect and love for them. But God did not lead me to stay at their church. Like I wanted to. Sure would have been easy, Mike, to just go, here yeah. we are. Boom. Yeah. Let's just park it. You know, let's just jump in. But God wouldn't let us do that. And we wanted to. I remember I remember one morning going to a church and telling my wife, um, honey, today we're joining the church. We're joining the church. Um, I'm sick of being a visitor. I don't think that's right. I think we just need to take it upon ourselves to commit and just be somewhere, right? And that morning, it wasn't the pastor. I believe God did it because of my stubbornness. But it, to me, anyways, and my wife, it was one of the more awkward church services we've ever been in in our life. <laughs> like, to the point where I, I don't blame the people, for sure. I, I think, sure. I heard it as God saying, and you're going to what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like it got our attention to the point. It was just like, yeah, oh, okay. Um, so, uh, and, and it wasn't because the music was bad or anything like that. Oh, sure, that. right. It wasn't right. that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, so I said, okay, we're not joining the church this morning. <laughs> um, so since January, we've been trying to be obedient to the Lord. Um, we have began meeting in our home with. Um, group of friends and family and just people um it's it's not it's not what church looks like today you know yeah and, and i don't say that because like yeah i'm different i got a home church like that's the problem with people who have home churches sometimes it's because they got mad and rebellious and ran off in anger and they don't love that's right that's you know? right yeah so there's a weird stigma about home churches right now I mean, it always has been 
but that's kind of where it began, you know, we see. Um, and so I even am at the point, Mike, where I'm like, you know, maybe people in our culture, it's a hang up for them to come to my living room because of the stigma of a home church. Maybe maybe the Lord would lead us to have some common meeting place, a building or a storefront or something to um, yeah. to meet in with with no other purpose than to make it easier for people who want to hear the gospel to come hear the gospel. Yeah. Not to build a trophy, not to build an organization, not to build anything for us to, to, to feel like we've accomplished anything. Literally with the motivation of going, I know some good people who've been hurt and I really feel like, Lord, you're speaking to me and through me what you want people to know. Um, and I, I want them to be able to hear it. So if they're if they're a little weirded out about coming to my house, I'm willing to do whatever you lead me to do for yeah. that motivation only so that the people you're drawing would come. Yeah. You know, I I just don't think we can have the motivation of – the pressure from the exterior and the external of like, hey, you know, gotta get a gotta get a brand, a logo. Yeah. That's what the world does, right? Yeah. You know, that's I love, right. I'm trying to remember it's in it's in one of the Corinthian letters. Paul's writing and he and he's just like, look, because because by the way, that stuff was happening back then too, Mike. Like credentials and ref recommendations and um kind of branding and we're this guy we have papers to prove it you know kind of thing right um yeah. paul, paul wrote to the the letters the the church in a in a uh, corinth corinth excuse me and he and he basically said like do do we need to bring to you letters proving to you that yeah. we're from god he said he yeah. said you yourselves are our letters of recommendation hmm. you you're our letters of recommendation so this idea of like well we got to get a brand and a billboard and coffee cups with our logo on. It's like no one needs your church logo. Yeah. They just need Jesus. That's like, right. Blank church, they, they don't need to know the name of that. They don't need yeah. to get behind the name or the brand or the logo of your church. You just need to be telling the gospel. Like yeah. they need to be your letters of recommendation. No signage, no – I mean that's not what we're about. Like we have something that the world does not have. We have Jesus. Take it yeah. or leave it. Right. Yeah. That's all we have. We pray. We 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 beg God for the souls of those around us. But we have Jesus to offer. Yeah, we have his love to offer and we have his fruit coming through us to offer. And we 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 don't have all that other stuff. We just have Jesus. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people who said, oh, if I went into the church, it would collapse or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think I think we've created um, unintentionally, maybe I think we've created a place where people feel like they're not good enough. Sure. And and it, I think it needs to come back down to that individual level where we're talking about um, simple things like love and grace, and um, not worried about all those other things. And uh, that's a great that's a great word I think for the church and for us individually. Um, so powerful and it's just so basic you know yeah. we get we get so many things that cloud our vision and distract us on our journey so through much. life and um it's not what it's about no 
the gospel is so simple. Yeah. It's surrender everything to Jesus and let yeah. him be strong in you. Yeah. You know, the, the, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. I can't tell you how many years of my Christian life. I'm 37. I got saved when I was 14. And I believe I was radically saved and transformed. My life changed. Um, have I always surrendered and been in, climbed on the cross every day to follow Jesus? No, I've, I've, I've had that darkness that I saw as light for mm-hmm. a while, I feel like. Yeah. Um, but the gospel is extremely, extremely simple, right? It is, it is surrender everything to Jesus. It is yeah. let Jesus live through you as your only hope for life. It's your only hope for life. I mean, car or no car, house or no house, like, wow, you know. I love what it says when it talks about, um, it's in a few of the Gospels, but but Jesus is talking about, you know, taking up your cross and following. And, and mm-hmm. he says, well, we've done that. We, we, we've taken up our, you know, we've left our homes and families. And Jesus says, no one has left house or brother or mother or, you know, he goes this long list without yeah. them that, that will not be totally repaid a hundredfold in this life and the life to come. And you're like, what does that mean? You know? Yeah. And he's, he's, he's alluding to the church right there. He's, they don't know about the church yet. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Ephesians three says that God revealed his manifold wisdom to the heavenly authorities through the church. No one knew God's idea of like, you mean those sinful people you're, you're going to allow Jesus to die for them, to yeah. wash them clean and it's not going to stop there. You're going to go live inside of them. Like yeah. you're going to live in them. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even the, right. the authorities in heaven were like, okay, yeah. we didn't quite understand the love that we're dealing with, but that's the love we're dealing with. The church yeah. is the revealing this manifold, deep love of God. And Jesus is like, listen, you may, you may walk away from your home now, but I promise you, I got a body waiting for you. Yeah. I got a hundred million homes waiting for you because my people are committed to bring you in, to love yeah. you, to to bear one another's burdens, right? Like that's the church, right? Yeah. So that, that, that's, that comes alive. And at that point, they didn't know it yet. They're probably scratching their head, but then the church explodes and acts, right? We see, oh yeah, I left one house, but I got a hundred homes I could stay in tonight because my brothers and sisters. That's you know right. What I'm Amazing. It's amazing. Brian, I, uh, I so appreciate um, your heart and uh, just getting to know you better and, and hearing from you today. I think it's such a great word and, and an encouragement. Uh, some of that stuff's pretty heavy, but um, if we can focus on where God has us, where God wants us, and just put the blinders on and focus on Him and what He wants um, I think that's the problem is that we need to take those steps of faith and say, God, it's all about you. Everything that I do is all about you. He'll start showing us that he's right there with us and that he's He's going to make sure his plan uh, comes to fruition in our life. And we just need to follow. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. I want to ask if you would uh, if you would pray for us to close this and, and – um, you know, we're, we're talking to people who are in the church and like me who have been in the church for years. And we may be talking to people who just feel like, man, the church is just not, it's not me, you know? Yeah. 
Um, it doesn't, that doesn't look like what my life is. I just want to say, you know, God's got a plan for every one of us. If your heart's beating and you're breathing, absolutely, and God loves you, God has a plan for your life. And uh, so would you close us? Yeah. Mike, I, I want to say this too. You know, I, I can't imagine a single person who can read about Jesus and understand what Jesus did and what he said and have a problem with Jesus. Mm, yeah. I don't know many people who have a problem with Jesus. People, people have a problem with the church. Yeah, that's exactly and, right. And that shouldn't be. Should no. not be, no. So we want to. We we want to. We just want to be like Jesus. Mm, amen. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for this now hour that we've been able to be together, not beating around the bush, not glorifying ourselves. We've got our hearts beating for your glory, and we pray that is what is is accomplished through this as people listen that their hearts would be heated and that hard shell of darkness that likes to grow around it would just fall away and that they would turn to you and have radical boldness, faith given by you to follow you anywhere, to walk away from the American dream and to not try to serve two masters, but be completely and totally devoted to you, Lord. To not go where there's more money, but to go where you send them. God, I pray that for your church. I pray that for every person that you're drawing to come to you, to know you, to walk in renewed life, to walk in holiness before you but they will not do it because they've been hurt, they've been disenchanted, or they've been led astray by the church. God, I pray that your words would speak clearly to them and that they would have the boldness and give themselves permission to follow you and no one else. Lord, thank you for this time. Be glorified through it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Mike. This week's message from Brian is something I always need to be reminded of every day. 1 John 2.16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. You know, because we live in the world, we can easily get caught up in the ways of the world if we're not careful. In our conversation, I mentioned a time in my life when I started questioning myself. Why am I doing the things I'm doing? And found that my natural self often did things out of selfish ambition, even without even thinking. So why do we do the things we do? Is it because it's expected of us? Or is it because it's what we want? You know, Brian mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that he wanted to make sure our recording was not just talking for the sake of talking. He wanted to make sure God was in it. Is God in everything we do? If we're seeking God, if we're focused on building his kingdom, we will find that peace and joy and contentment. If our lives lack those things, maybe we're focused on building our own kingdoms, kingdoms that just don't satisfy, they don't last. Well, I hope this message encourages you to think about your life in those terms. I know it encouraged me. 
Well, if you're not subscribed to Behind the Mic Conversations of Hope, please tap that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. I would love your reviews and your ratings on Apple Podcast as well. Hey, join us next week, and remember, if your life is grounded in Jesus, even in the darkest times, there is hope.